You're tuned in to Talking Respect with Hannah Banani. This is episode six, How to Speak and Be Heard with public speaking coach Sena Azam. I believe that we can truly create an improved state of the world through great dialogue. When we master our own communication and how we convey our thoughts, then we are creating a roadmap to peace. Now this quote was taken from Sena Azem's book, Leading Speakers. Sena is a guest today and she will be sharing with us how she became one of the most respected speakers of the Middle East and what her secrets are of public speaking and how to project your voice, even if you have a quiet one like me. For those key insights, make sure you stay tuned until the end. Senna is a Swedish-Palestinian award-winning economist, a keynote speaker and the founder of Experts Market and Mina Speakers Agency in Dubai. She was recognised as the top 130 under 30 and has featured in Philips, Ericsson and Spotify. Thank you so much for coming on, Senna. So before we dive in, could you please start by telling us how you've managed this year through this pandemic and this very challenging time that we've had? Amazing. Uh, I'm doing great. I think, uh, you know, when things get tough, we have to get tougher ourselves and, and be resilient and pivot. And I just find it to be an incredibly interesting time for my own personal development, for my leadership, um, and to navigate through these circumstances has been a challenge, but super exciting and interesting. And this is kind of the moment where I thrive as a person. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Obviously, my heart breaks for the people who have been affected by COVID uh, financially, emotionally, and just their health as well. And that's been tough to deal with. But that's the case for everyone. And uh, yeah, uh, onwards and upwards. Could you please now tell us about your journey into public speaking and how you became a public speaking coach? Absolutely. So in 2010, a few years back, I was uh, finishing my, my university studies. I have a master's in economics. And then I won this beautiful award called Female Economist of the Year. And it did create a lot of press coverage. And so as a student, I get this random call from a lady and she says, hey, I read about you. We have a conference coming up. Do you want to come and speak? You know, you're young and you're bold. So I went, yeah, sure. Why not? I can speak in front of hundreds of people. What's the big deal? (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, I I plan it, of course. Um, Then before I go up on stage, it kind of dawns on me what I've done and what I've said yes to. So now the nerves kick in, the nausea kicks in. And I don't remember the first couple of minutes from that speech. I totally blacked out, but I had rehearsed my speech so well. So I know I'm talking, but I'm not sure what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) And and then consciousness comes back a few minutes later and I'm going, oh, wow. Okay. This is moving along nicely. My lips are moving, but my head is somewhere else. And now I'm coming back to the room. Okay, let's rock and roll. So I did that speech and I, I did it apparently well. Um, cause I stepped down and then another person comes up to me and says, Hey, I really like what you did. Do you want to do this for my management? Um, we don't have much of a budget. This is our budget. And it was around $2,000. Um, are you okay to do a speech for us? And I went, what? 
you're going to pay me? <laughs> Obviously, I had like a very straight face and I was like, yeah, yeah let me think about it. Sure, playing it cool. But inside, I was just like jumping out of joy. And that set off my speaker's career, which I didn't know was something you could do. Um, you know, in my world, either you become a banker or a consultant. That was kind of the options. And so doing that, one thing led to another. And all of a sudden I have an agency representing me. I'm touring Northern Europe, like traveling to places and speaking and making like a really good salary from a couple of hours on stage every month. And I went, wow, this is incredible. So that's, that's what started the speaker's career. But obviously with my background, I was still keen on doing banking, economics, finance. So um, I still pursued a, a traditional career, but in parallel, I was working as a speaker and earning more as a speaker than I was on my fixed salary, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, but it, the overachiever in me kicked in. And of course, for some reason, my younger self didn't understand that things could actually come and flow. And my understanding was you have to struggle, you have to work hard, and then you can earn whatever is given to you. And so I said, no, I don't want to do the speaker thing. Let me go back to the corporate world and work hard day and night and all of that. Um, so I did that for a few years, moved to Dubai, started working with gold. I was actually working as a gold trader, like selling physical gold to central banks and banks. Um, but I was always invited somehow back to the States. So I have some love affair with the stage and being up on stage and it's always brought me there no matter what I was doing like either my my boss at the time would be like why don't you speak instead of me or I'd eventually get invited myself and so it sounded like an opportunity and when I had moved on and I was working at a bank I realized that the banking career wasn't really for me like I was doing really well I was a high performer and all of that but it was something that wasn't sitting right and so eventually, when something's not sitting right, eventually you make that decision to go, actually, I want more for my life. I want more for myself. I want to live in alignment with my values. And so I pretty much resigned on the spot when that aha moment came to me and uh, tried to figure out what to do with my life very quickly. You know, when you resign, it's like, yes, I'm free. I'm excited. But then you're like, oh, my God, the next day, what have I done? Where am I going to go to work? Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> And so 2016, quite quickly, I went, actually, there's an opportunity. I've known about this opportunity for a while. Why don't I pursue it? And setting up an agency that caters to Arab speakers or people from the MENA region um, that can cater to the whole world. And ultimately, like when I was in, in Europe, I would quite often be the youngest speaker. I'd quite often be the only female on stage and absolutely the only Arab on stage. Um, and so that was something that I wanted to change. I wanted to change the narrative of like, why is it predominantly white males up on stage? Why are they the ones that are perceived as experts? Why are they the ones that have this right to tell the story of what's happening in the world? And I want more diversity. And so with God's grace, I'm here running an agency called Mina Speakers and creating opportunities for people from this region, and now we've extended it to people from around the world that can get an opportunity to speak and share their knowledge and share their story. Brilliant. I love your story. I think it's remarkable. Your energy, your enthusiasm, it just jumps right out. But on a separate note, when I first started out in law, I was so nervous. I did not want to speak in public. But I realised I 
taken up this profession because I wanted to challenge myself and I was a public speaker. And when I went into court, I'd be running around, my papers would be everywhere, my notes, um, but I constantly relied on my scripts and I relied on my iPad, which had notes recorded on there. Obviously it wasn't a good look though. The judge and people around, the lawyers would notice if you were reading. Well, with time I improved, of course. But what advice would you give to people who are going into interviews and who are going in for presentations? Would you advise them to go with a script or without? Ah, nice. Um, yeah, you can, you can use a script. Obviously, you're in a more of a technical space, uh, in which some of our speakers are. But you can also create strategies and a roadmap of where do I want to take my audience and then move that down to bullet points. So if you know that the outcome should be, uh, so in my case, I want an audience that can speak better or network better or build relationships better, um, anything related to communication. So when I'm done with my speech, they should leave with tactics and tools. That's my roadmap when I'm up on stage. So I know point A to point B, the final destination. From that, I will break it down into three sub stories. So this is my overarching message, point A to point B. And then I will create it down to three core messages. And when you know that that's what you're going to do, you're not here to boil the ocean. So you, you want to set kind of realistic outcomes that, mm -hmm. appear, that work with your audience where the cognitive load isn't too high. You know, quite often I see experts, they just kind of go brain dump. This is what I'm going to talk about because this is what I know. But then the audience can't receive it because it's like the cognitive load is too high. It's just system overload or information overload. And so you want to kind of take a step back. What are the three messages? How does that help to amplify my core message here? Um, and it just makes it really easy. Then you might not need notes to the same degree because, again, you know the direction you're moving. Thank you so much. You know, those are some real valid points. Now, I speak for all the petite ladies out there because I, as a short petite female in court, I looked and sounded like a little girl standing next to the tall, loud spoken man. It was so hard to be heard. In that case, I wore five inch heels. You know, what can people do to be seen, to be heard? especially now that we're working from home. How can women present confidently the screen? First of all, thank you for sharing them, for, for sharing, you know, being vulnerable and strong enough to disclose that. And you're really hitting the nail on the head with a very common problem that I mostly have when I'm working with women and kind of preparing them and increasing their executive presence. Sure. Uh, it does happen with some men that have like a bit of a soft voice or high-pitched voice. So the rules of engagement in the market that we are operating in is that you want to portray authority, executive presence, uh, and strength. And so quite often, and many female politicians do this, you will work on pushing down your voice. So you're speaking more with a bass voice because this is perceived as more authoritative. It's not my opinion. This is based by science. This is what we perceive as leadership. Imagine you're rolling out, uh, you're a central banker and you're saying, today we're going to increase the interest rates. Okay, everybody, let's do it. Or like, today we're going to increase the interest rates. And it sounds squeaky. 
it's not going to be taken as seriously as opposed to saying today we will be increasing the interest rates effective immediately. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so pushing down your voice so that it sounds more authoritative at a lower pitch is going to help you to be perceived as more authoritative. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I'm all for being yourself and doing your own thing and supporting your own authentic voice. Yes, sure. However, there are rules of engagement. And in order for me to set up a client uh, for success or somebody wants to increase their executive presence, we need to play by the rules that are operating in the market. And so somebody who is taller, I'm six feet, right? I can have an advantage. And research says that taller people are going to earn more money. And so the same with the voice, uh, a squeak or high-pitched voice is not going to be perceived as authoritative as a lower bass voice. And so it lies in your best interest if you want to succeed in a competitive market to work on these things to increase your executive presence. So there's research from Harvard um, that shows us that up to around 93% of careers stall due to communication. And what am I mean by that? Yes, it's, it's quite significant. So why are people not getting promoted? Quite often, their communication style is poor. Um, it's not in line with the corporate way or the business way, uh, or the people, they're just simply not understood. So their communication style, their peer level relationships is the second one. The way that they build relationships is inefficient or it's, it's not good enough. Um, and then again, what we say is the executive presence. So a lack of executive presence is not going to help you if you want to climb your career ladder or if you want to be uh, authoritative. So these are things that I work with when some individual is going to get promoted or they want to get promoted. You know how they say dress for the job you want mm-hmm. and not the one you have. And so you ha- you it would lie in your best interest to be utilizing these strategies in order to signal You know, I'm ready. I'm a leader. I look and sound like a leader. I behave like a leader. It's going to help you accelerate the speed of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with regards to speed, you know, people often speak very quickly and they think that this is the right way to do it. Because if you get more words in, then people will listen. What is the correct way? Is it to be slow or is there like a normal kind of pace? Can pace, pace, it depends on the person. So I don't generally I try to stay away from coming with such bold statements to say speak fast or speak slow. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the context. So if you're an auctioneer and you're slow paced, it's not going to be great for you. <laughs> you know, so if, if you are looking to convey a critical message, it might be more interesting for you to take your time and articulate it slowly with a slower pace. If you're at a product launch and you're the one that's announcing a product, it might be in your best interest to speak with a higher pace, so a bit quicker, because it can convey a sentiment of excitement and joy. And so you have to analyze what context you're in, but also understand that your voice It's a toolbox and it's something that you can enhance and improve on by learning how to use the toolbox in an optimal manner. Those are some really valid points. Um, Would you mind just to share with us, please, a little bit more about uh, the toolbox and how that can be used? Yeah. 
So say there was a study um, in uh, Glasgow that was done about hello, how people perceive hello. So they took all these different conversations and from there they took out the hello from a phone conversation. Uh, and so you'd hear different types of hello, 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 right? And from there, um, the people in this uh, study were assessing whether they found that voice likable um, or trustworthy. And so we could make, or the people, the respondents could make an assessment of what they thought about that hello. In that call, um, they preferred, they found that feminine voices were more trustworthy. So soft feminine voices, as opposed to rugged masculine voices. So again, it, it depends on the context, but what we need to understand is the way that we use our voice is gonna impact the way we're gonna be perceived. And so in some context, and very high powered, high dynamic context, say you're in a boardroom meeting or you're up for a job interview or so, you wanna be able to kind of maneuver using all of your verbal and nonverbal communication to the best of your capacity in a way that will help you succeed. And so doing vocal exercises, understanding how your voice, the feelings it conveys is definitely gonna help you in your journey if you're career oriented or even your relationships and how you're gonna be perceived. So yeah, there are exercises you can do. You can do these vocal exercises if you wanna you know, work on it, like she sells seashells by the seashore, red leather, <laughs> yellow leather. <laughs> or, or simply just singing to just understand the vocal range and what you can do with your voice. So yes, instrumental, instrumental tool, uh, which many times we're not aware how our voice is perceived by others. So I've had a request from someone recently and they asked, how do you remove the nerves when you're going in for an interview? And I sympathize with this one because it was a big interview. It was the final one. She'd already had two stages. So this was now her third stage. It was the final one. And she wanted to make sure that she came across confidently, but not arrogant. And so the nerves, you know, were kicking in for her. And she'd... So what advice would you give to people who are going in for a big meeting or a big interview? How can they eliminate their nerves? So um, it's a big discussion about how to manage nerves. But let's just contrast that. Nerves is, is a really lovely thing in my world. It's an indication that what you're doing is important to you. So compare that to when you're watching Netflix on your couch, the sentiment there, you're relaxed, um, you're kind of like, you know, lounging, your body isn't in its peak performance state. So when the nerves kick in, it's actually putting you in a peak performance state. Your senses are heightened, you're almost like straightening up. And so the short answer is you can choose how to define that sentiment and that wave of hormones coming to your body, either you can define it as stress and let it kind of drip over so that it becomes negative stress, or you can say, great, this is my body talking to me, telling me that this is important. I'm entering peak performance state and I would much rather feel excited than to feel the way I'm feeling when I'm watching Netflix on TV, right? So to acknowledge that energy, like this type of hormones um, will put us in action and it's preparing us to do well. Um, this is the shortest answer that I can give on this question, but obviously there are also things you can do to 
put yourself in a peak performance state and interpret the situation of horm- you know, the hormones in a way that is to your favor. Um, when you have this rush of hormones, which makes you excited, um, basically your body's entering, could be entering a fight or flight response, right? And it's, am I going to maneuver and defend myself or am I going to run away? That's in short what's happening. And so you want to say to your body, actually, I'm safe. I don't have to fight. I don't have to fight. Like, I don't have to get away from this. I'm in a safe environment. It's just a, an interview. Calm down. It's great that I have nerves. Um, but this context is safe. So coach yourself out of that mindset. And maybe something as simple as a pattern interrupt of your mind, like listening to music, could work. Something as simple as that. So you don't need to go on every thought that appears in your mind. So you've clearly created a very successful platform for your speakers. What do you like to do outside of work? What are your favorite pastime hobbies? Oh, sweet. Um, I am, you know, I love my job. So this is the one thing I enjoy working (laughs) in my own life in a way that I love every moment of my life. This is one. So whether I'm working or not, it's absolute pleasure because, again, it's designed. It's a choice. And then I have a beautiful six-month daughter, daughter that's just come to the world. So she is uh, my pride and joy. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. It's, it's been the most wonderful thing. Every, you know, career is great. Success is great. All of that is fantastic. But a child has been everything for me. It's been the most beautiful experience ever. Uh, I would say uh, maybe have children earlier because they are the joy of life and it's been an absolute pleasure but um the later you have them the busier you're gonna get and so if you're studying or if you're not working full-time or running your own business you're gonna have a bit more time to take care of a child too (laughs) i'm on standby basically around the clock so i don't work normal conventional hours it's not a nine to six gig it's whenever she's sleeping, I'm going to run and like send a few emails, make a few calls quickly. <laughs> and then when she wakes up, I have to go back. And just in between this conversation, you know, she went to sleep. I'm going to probably run back and then take care of her after this call. And then um, my husband's fantastic, super helpful as well. So he helps out a lot. And we do have help that comes and takes care of her a few hours every day. So just buying myself as much time as possible in any capacity. A couple of final questions for you before we wrap up. It's your last day on earth and you have one single advice that you can give to the 16-year-old Senna about life. What would it be? Oh my... Thank you, Senna. So I started off our podcast episode today by reading out a quote from your book, Leading Speakers. And, you know, I was very touched by the book and I hugely recommend it to the listeners. If you could please just take us through a little bit about the content and let everyone know uh, what it's about. Thank you. Leading Speakers was a fantastic experiment, actually. That's how it started Um, two years ago. So it's been a two year long process to get it done. I had an intern that joined me over the summer thinking that she was going to do social media uh, marketing, the usual stuff. But instead, on her first day, I tell her, you have about two months and you need to figure out how to give us an amazing motivational speech 
and it's going to be a full house of people listening to you. And then she left and I was like, okay, but in this process, I would like for you to journal some of your thoughts and I will do the same. And so she went through the process and kept coming back and forth. And I was coaching her throughout the whole period. Wow. My did, she not, was, did she just leave and never come back? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, she came back. She did an amazing job. And my question was, I've worked with all these like top C-suite CEOs and above, and they could do it. But I was wondering if somebody who had never been exposed to communication skills and really just from scratch, a novice, if somebody like that would be able to become a motivational speaker in a short period of time. And so that experiment was run really successfully. I took all the notes, we created a whole process. And so the idea is that you're able to pick up the book and read through it and yourself create a speech. Thank you so much for coming on, Sana. I really appreciate your time. Congratulations on your book, Leading Speakers. If any of you would like to learn more about Sana, then go to www.senaazam.com. You can also find her on social media at Sana Azam. If you like what you hear, then you can subscribe to this episode and listen to it once more on Apple, Spotify and Google app. You can also go to my website at www.talkingrespect.com. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Until next week, stay safe and tune in again. This is Talking Respect.